Whenever I mention golf, I see your eyes just glaze over. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate what you say about golf. The, the leg strength thing was good from a prior podcast. You know, I'm starting tomorrow my winter golf learning regimen. I'm starting to take lessons one-on-one during the winter indoors with the uh, head golf coach up at Columbia, who I've gotten to know a little bit, Columbia being my alma mater. And uh, he's got a lot of pressure on him because uh, if I don't get really good, I'm going to blame him. Publicly. Right, and we're going to podcast about it because I'm going to definitely ask you about it like every Absolutely. month. Absolutely, I can tell Wait, you. Wait, what's are. your what's your handicap right now? My handicap is eleven point three right now. That's pretty good. That's... So what does that mean? Does that mean like you're eleven point three points from being like professional level? No. What, um, what so, is like par handicap? Well, I'm glad you asked. So let's see. I, I could look this up to get it exactly right, but uh, I, I'm not going to. So a handicap, the handicap system, the USGA handicap system, which is used by um, a variety of people, sort of says how many strokes over par you would shoot for 18 holes. So theoretically, if a course were par 72, theoretically I would shoot a 73 with an 11.3 handicap. But but the way the handicap is built, it takes your 10 best, most recent scores. And then through a little bit of a formula, including the difficulty of the courses that you play on, calculates that. And really what it's meant to do is equilibrate. Is that the way you say that word? Equilibrate. So that if you're a very good golfer and I'm a much less good golfer and there's someone even worse than me, that the three of us can use our handicaps to play together and you'll get certain strokes per hole. And that's what makes golf a lot of fun. But how do they they determine zero? Is that like... Pro yeah. or strong amateur? Like, yeah, how, where, no. what's the rank of so zero? So zero is basically what they call scratch. Uh, otherwise, you get into a plus handicap. But yeah, scratch means that you are expected to make par, to shoot par. And par is essentially what a professional is expected to make on a given hole. So if it's a par four, which many holes are, then if you're a pro, you should be able to make par most of the time. So but you also scratch make is, is pro. Sc- scratch is essentially good enough to be scratch. Scratch is even par. So if you improve just eleven strokes out of eighteen holes, okay. you're you're good enough to be. If you if you improve whatever that is, like seven tenths of a stroke per hole, yeah. you're good enough to be a professional golf player. So that is the absurdly hypnotic magnetic myth that hundreds of thousands if not millions of golfers believe in and in fact my friend steve levitt my freakonomics co-author who's probably a two or three handicap he's a very very good golfer he has spent the last 10 years trying to get good enough to basically play the senior tour which is 50 and over so that when he turns 50 in a year or two that he can go pro. That's been his obsession. In fact, we may be writing a book. And about what's that what's the part. hard part? Like, so you're gonna with lessons now. It's clear you're gonna go from like let's say eleven to something better. Let's call mm. let's call it eight. I'm yeah, making I, it uh, eight is a realistic. I'm, that's what's a, the what's the what's the hard part about going from three to two? Is that much harder than going from eleven to eight? Well, I would think so for a few reasons. One is it's three numbers instead of two numbers, right? Or th- instead of one number. So eleven to eight is a a bigger jump. But um, no, no, I'm saying should should three to two be harder? Yeah, than going it, from eleven it, to it's eight. It's going to be harder because if you're a three, 
You know, it, it, it seems really strange from the outside that one stroke can sound like a lot, and it doesn't. But from the inside, it can. And the problem is, if you're a three, you're already really, really good. And more more than good. So here's a weird thing about golf, or at least for me with golf, which I think is not atypical. I am actually pretty good, like, compared to where I was five years ago when I didn't play and, was, and couldn't play. I was terrible. Compared to that, I'm pretty good. But what I'm not is consistent. So, like, I am capable of hitting shots that are like literally professional caliber shots. I've made shots that any pro would look at it and say, all right, well done, self, right? But then my next shot, so let's say I get a 10 out of 10 on shot one. On shot two, I'm capable of hitting a shot that is like a three out of 10 quality. And that inconsistency is the hard part. So if you're already a three, you're very, very, very consistent. And to get to two and to one and to scratch, I would think is going to be a lot harder than where I am now. So obviously it strikes me that this doesn't just apply to golf. It applies to any area you want to kind of master or have excellence in. I, you know, I like love, tennis, for instance. Yeah. You know, you were explaining, or we were talking about the difference between um, someone ranked number three hundred and someone in the top ten. Someone ranked three hundred can serve and hit a quarter on the back line. Someone in the top ten can serve and hit a dime on the back line. So there's these very subtle differences at the between pros that are very that we think are trivial, but to them, it's like a whole entire career. It's based on the difference between a quarter and a dime. Yeah, and, and you know, what's interesting is... Um, millions of dollars depend on that. Millions of dollars, and, and I think one reason that so many people are so drawn to sports is that sports is win or lose, sports is zero sum, and sports has a lot of data where you can actually tell the difference between the 300 rank, 300th ranked and the 10th ranked, and you can quantify it and qualify it. Whereas in the rest of life, like for what we do, like for you for investing, so like theoretically, you can... Investing, you can measure yourself based, you get feedback based on how much money you make or lose. You do, but there are a lot more variables that you don't have control over. Right. Right. Investing, you've got other investors, you've got uh, psychological factors, you've got panics. But there are fields like, let's say, music, any game like chess, poker, whatever, you know, some aspects of investing like day trading, you know, where you're, you're getting enough feedback quickly enough that you can adjust for mistakes. You know, so the entire theory of aviation safety, right? So there's hundreds of thousands of flights that take off every single day, and they're all really experiments of safety. You know, given a certain set of circumstances on a plane, we know what's going to potentially get people from A to B safely. And if it doesn't work, we get feedback instantly and adjust accordingly. So we get feedback from all the black boxes and so on and uh, adjust accordingly. And it's that type of adjustment in the face of failure, I think, where improvement comes from. So in all of these cases, like for you with the coach, what you're able to do now is instead of making, you know, 50 strokes over the course of several hours drawn out over a course, now you're going to practice with someone who's going to give you feedback one after the other, after the other, after the other. So you'll get feedback quickly. And it's that kind of feedback that allows you to adjust and get better. And failure, it's, it's the failure you're going to experience, that inconsistency that you worry about. You're going to experience it over and over, and that's how you're going to get better. Oh my gosh, I've got to go to the bathroom. So hold on, listen to this ad, and we'll be right back. FreshBooks, in keeping with the theme of our show, 
has their very own question of the day for you. Are you an entrepreneur or business owner? Then listen carefully because this question is specifically for you. When you hear the terms invoicing, expense reporting, and time tracking, what's the first thing that you feel? Stressed? Anxious? Maybe frustrated? Let FreshBooks alleviate those feelings for you. FreshBooks is the amazing, intuitively designed invoicing software that helps small business owners spend way less time on paperwork while keeping them effortlessly organized. You'll be creating and sending invoices in minutes, watching expenses practically organize themselves, and probably wondering why you didn't start this sooner. Try FreshBooks free for 30 days. Just go to freshbooks.com slash question and enter our show name, question of the day, in the how did you hear about us section while signing up. Again, just go to freshbooks.com slash question and enter our show name, question of the day, while signing up to get your free 30-day trial. So here's what I think is, like I said, tantalizing and attractive about something like sports in the case of golf, whether it's watching or playing, whatever, is that the feedback is real, right? So honestly, if you like physics, even anyone who likes physics even a little bit should go to a driving range and hit golf balls just because it is like, it's a great lab. Like you or see shoot a, pool or play ping pong. Yeah, but it's way more pronounced in golf because there's more force involved. You hit the ball a lot harder in golf than you do in pool or, well, ping pong, you hit the ball hard. There's a lot of force, there's a lot of speed, but also there's a lot of distance. So if you're off by one degree in golf, that ends up being a lot because you're trying to hit something 250 yards away. Um, but but here's the thing where it gets tricky for me is because like when we start to talk about feedback loops and improving, whatever you do, whether you're in sales and music. And, sales is another good one because you get feedback right away. It is, but it's very different. See, this is, I keep going back to why something like golf is attractive and almost intoxicating is because there aren't these other unobservable variables, right? But that might not matter because take a look at games of imperfect information. So, for instance, poker or backgammon. Those are still skill But backgammon, what do you mean imperfect information? You don't know where the dice is going to show up. Oh, that's not what I would think of. Chess chess is a game of perfect information because right away you can see potential... Theoretically... You, you can see infinity. There's nothing hidden from you. I know exactly. You and I see the same things. But in backgammon, you and I can't see the same things because we can't predict the dice. But how is not being... Okay, so you're saying the difference there is that I can't predict the dice because it could be from 2 to 12. Whereas in chess, if you make a given move, you have the ability to understand the full catalog of my potential counters. Right, but what I'm arguing against you on the... On the golf, you're saying it's a game of somewhat perfect information, and you're you're discounting things that have imperfect information. I'm saying they're all skill games where you get feedback. The feedback loop is what's the important all part. Right. Maybe I didn't express it well. Here's what I'm trying to say: something like golf, and there are many things. This is like really it. intellectual for us <laughs> on our question of the day. So. The reason that to me something like golf is really interesting is because you're pretty much controlling all the inputs. Right, so it's a game of perfect information again. Okay, and and here's why something like sales. So like we always hear people are always saying like I'm in I write books, I am in sales, I'm an engineer, I do a lot of different things. But everything has a kind of different sphere of how many of those inputs are observable. And that's what's tricky. So, like, you're right. If I gather all the data possible on, let's say, my sales force, my entire sales force, there's always going to be a world of data out there that I don't have access to, which is to say, how do people respond to this person in the field? What kind of 
emotional response did they have? Um, even if I observe all, even if I record all the observables, there are always going to be unobservables, and that's why it's fun to find an arena of experimentation, golf, but there are many others where there are no unobservables. And then, sorry to keep cutting you off with my no, hands okay. and my eyes because you're my, about my, to want to talk. My finger is I know, up, like but I'm wanna... not letting your finger go. <laughs> I just want to finish this, and then I'll shut up. And therefore, that leads to a whole different level of inspection of the thing you're doing. So like for golf, what we're going to do, which I've never really done before, is work extensively with video where you can see the Uh swing and then compare that to an optimal swing. And after a certain point, there's like no mystery. There are a whole lot of different ways to swing well or to hit the ball well, but there are a lot of mistakes that become very evident. And by capturing them and by observing them, them trying to physically correct them, there's almost no way, uh, I say this now, there's almost no way I can't get at least a little bit better. Right, so you're talking almost about the difference between a science and like a social science. So in sales, you can certainly A-B test across many examples of, oh, I'm going to use this headline versus this headline. I'm going to use this start off to the cold call as opposed to this start up to the cold call. And then I can adjust accordingly depending on what works or not. So again, there's lots of variables depending on each specific situation, but I can still learn to improve at either through my own experience or studying the experiences of others. So so we all, all success in anything is built off a mountain of failure of the history before us. So even your the techniques with video, training, and golf, that's built upon the experience that, oh, it's people learn faster when they look at videos. So, so everything's built based upon you know learning techniques of the past, failures of the past, people who didn't get better, didn't use video techniques as opposed to um, people who did get better. So all I'm saying is it's not necessarily anything with any fast feedback loop and with maybe training behind you is going to help you improve. And what I would recommend... So, so then there's a part two almost to the question, which is... What was the question? There was no question. I didn't think so. So there's part two to this is that in terms of happiness, everybody wants to improve. Some people want to have a goal of being pro, but I think you know there's always that 10,000 hours of dedicated practice and you're among the best in the world. Kay Anders Erickson came up with this or whoever. But I think for like, why not get better at do 1,000 hours, get to a five handicap instead of pro, do that in many areas, and you can enjoy many things at almost pro level so that everyone's impressed. Yeah, I, I have no, I'm not, I'm not going to argue. I think part of well-being is being competent at something. Clearly, you don't think you're competent enough at golf or you would like to be more competent at it. So it's not necessarily competence, but improving competence. So this is way, your way of doing it. And I think it doesn't have to be something with perfect information. It could be many, many things that are also somewhat imperfect the important part is this feedback loop that you're going to be constantly getting, and that will lead you to be a happier person. How about listeners tell us what they're trying to get good at, and if we have a chance, we'll find, we'll look up what are the ways to shortcut the 10,000 hours on that, on whatever they suggest. It's a deal. So listeners, tweet us at QOD and let us know about something that you are trying to go to from master. either right either either master or go from incompetence to competence because in the spirit of James's uh, message today you know competence is as good as a feast to paraphrase my mom competence is as good as a feast bam we'll share a clip from our next episode right after this Say goodbye to the stress caused by invoices, expense reporting, and time tracking. Stay effortlessly organized and spend less time on paperwork. 
FreshBooks will make creating and sending invoices, organizing your expenses, and tracking your billable hours the easiest part of your workday. Just go to freshbooks.com slash question for your free 30-day trial. Hey, don't forget we're doing a live question of the day event. We want to use your questions, so tweet them to us. Our Twitter is at QOD. Use the hashtag QOD live. We will depend on your questions for this live event, and we'll also randomly pick a few of these questions that you tweet to us, and we will reward you with free tickets to the event. The event is on Thursday, January 14th in Brooklyn, New York, at the Bell House. For tickets, you can go to thebellhouseny.com. We will be joined by an awesome special guest, a comedian and a commentator and general smart person, Nagin Farsad. Uh, you should check her out online if you don't know her work. Nagin Farsad, it's spelled N-E-G-I-N-F-A-R-S-A-D. We are thrilled she'll be joining us and we hope you'll be joining us too. Join James and me next time. You won't want to miss this. I think a lot about gift giving, yes. I know you gave me one of my favorite gifts ever. You know what it was? Uh, Not that you've given me give, so many. I've given you a gift. Yeah. What was it? You brought me a backgammon set. Oh, yeah. And we've been using it ever since. And we've been using oh, it, although oh, we, we just, just gave it away. We just gifted it, actually. We did gift to it. To a waitress in a diner. Don't tell your wife. Question of the Day is produced and mixed by Nathan Rossborough with Allison Hockenberry. 